Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Whatever Wando, the podcast where we cover sports, controversies, conspiracy theories, myths, and what-if questions. And on this week's episode, we are covering the 2002 NBA Western Conference Finals, and we're looking at the battle between the Sacramento Kings and the Los Angeles Lakers, and whether the NBA rigged it to make sure the Los Angeles Lakers made it to the NBA Finals. Let's go. So once again, thank you everybody for being here, uh, and it's a really fun episode because this week we are covering the 2002 Western Conference Finals, and I love talking about this because it's two like first of all the Lakers have my favorite color scheme in sports. I love purple's my favorite color, purple and gold. I uh, I remember in like college I you know when like the new like Nike Plus came out where you could like design your own shoe. I designed some gaudy like I loved them though like purple and gold like like Lakers designed shoes and it had like my initials inside of them. They're awesome. I have no idea where they are. If anyone in Iowa City finds them in an apartment building, you know, I'll pay you for them. If you got them, I think they still fit. But you have, you know, that great color scheme, that great history of that team. And then versus the team that I kind of adopted, like as in when your team sucks, because there's many people, like there's people who's listening to this podcast, your favorite team might suck. The Bears for me suck right now. So I find another team to cheer for why they're getting better. You know, when, uh, same with basketball. In 2002, the Bulls sucked. This is, you know, Jordan left, we're rebuilding, you know, the baby Bulls are coming in. Like, the team's god-awful. I need someone to cheer for. Um, so the team that really always interests me, I really like the Sacramento Kings. I don't know if it also helps because they're they had a lot of purple gear, so maybe it's going to be your favorite color. But they had players on their team, specifically like Chris Weber, who I loved because um, if you ever listen to me on Pot of Fame, I love passing big men. Any big man that can like pass really well the paint, like it obviously can still score. But like two of my favorite players that like played in around this era, one of them kind of wasn't really playing that much, you know, or wasn't as good at, into, by 2002. Arvidas Sabonis, like his son is right now on the Pacers, and if you wonder why he's so good, it's because his dad's amazing. But we didn't get to see, uh, he played a lot for the Blazers. We didn't get to see him in his peak because he was, you know, stuck over in Europe. And then Chris Weber. Both of them are great passing big men. I don't think either of them gets the credit they deserve. I probably give them too much credit. But because of that, because Chris Weber was on this team, I really like them. And so this 2002 series, I remember... And so I really wanted to talk about it. And it's super interesting to me because if you even start typing Sacramento Kings into like a Google search bar, like, and if you type in two, like, you know, just like for the year 2002, it instantly just fills in 2002 rigged. Like the Sacramento Kings are in it. Like, you know, those fans, people have looked it up because we all, people who watched that series, we saw what we saw and it made some of us wonder, okay, was this maybe rigged? Was this made sure to that the Lakers got to the NBA Finals? Because specifically, 
Um, we're going to talk a lot mostly about game six because that's really the big red flag in this series where people, you know, and they put their line in the sand of like it was rigged or it wasn't rigged. Um, because game six, as we'll get into, had some irregularities and some things that definitely made some people wonder like, okay, is this on the up and up and everything? But before we get into that, I just want to like read these rosters just so you get understand what we're dealing with here. So first of all, let's start with the Lakers. So they got Shaq on the team. He's averaging, this is all I'm talking. We're only talking about the series here when I talk about their points and other things. So Shaq is 29. So he's in his prime. He's averaging 30 points a game, 13 rebounds, uh, about two assists and two blocks. Kobe Bryant's 23. He's now, he's averaging 27 points in this series, six rebounds, about four assists, a steal and a block a game. Robert Ory, big shot Rob. He's 31. He's putting in some solid minutes. Like he's playing the full game. He's getting you solid points at about 11 points. He's getting about 11 rebounds, four assists, one steal, and about, you know, half a block. Rick Fox. Rick Fox, he's 32. Uh, he's getting you about 34 minutes. And everyone from this point on, I'm not really going to read their points because they, they're not that big. But like Rick Fox gets 9.6 points. Derek Fisher's 27 and he's averaging about 7.7 points. That was never what was expected out of, you know, Derek Fisher. He was the point guard, and he was, like, definitely a traditional point guard um, for the most part. Uh, but his assist numbers, I will say, by looking at this, are not very good. Uh, you got Devin George, uh, who's putting in some solid minutes. He's not really scoring much. Lindsey Hunter, Brian Shaw, some <laughs> Samaki Walker, who I haven't heard that name in forever. Uh, Mitch, Rich <laughs> Mitch Richmond former, you know, Sacramento King, great. Uh, Mark Madsen, and then I'm going to butcher this name, Stanislav uh, Medvedenko. Barely played, so I don't feel like I should be forced to say his name, but, you know, I guess I have to. So that's the Lakers roster. So this is like during, the, you know, in the peak 2000s, like for the Lakers. This is the team they put out. That team was mostly Shaquille O'Neal, Kobe Bryant, and then occasionally Robert Ory putting up some sweet points. You know, big shots. So, but that was the team. And also, this was also how scoring worked back in the NBA, like, then. It isn't like now where, like, yesterday the Bulls played in a game where they dropped 133 points. This isn't, early 2000s isn't up to that scoring yet because we haven't made that switch all the way to now, like, where it's all analytics and everyone's shooting threes. Uh, so, like... Yeah, for example, the most three, so in total in this entire series, the most three shot on the Lakers is by Derek Fisher, who shot 31. Steph Curry shoots that in two games to give you an idea of how different the NBA is uh, now than it is back then. But that's the Lakers team. Uh, the uh, Kings team is Chris Webber, who is 28. He's averaging 24 points a game. Uh, 11 rebounds, 6.3 assists. Once again, I love him how much he like, he works so well in the paint. He's just a great passer. I like, I loved watching him play. You got Mike Bibby. So this is before white chocolate gets to the team. Unfortunately, maybe, maybe white chocolate puts him over the hump, but Mike Bibby's 23 years old. He's playing basically the whole game and he's averaging about 23 points, three rebounds, four assists, two steals. So not bad numbers at all. You got Vladi Divac, former Los Angeles Laker and former like nine on other teams. 
At least it felt that way. Like, I know we played on the Hornets as well. Vlade's 33, and he's banging up against Shaq this whole series. But he's still putting up 14 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, a steal, and about a block a game. Got Bobby Jackson. He's 28. He's getting 12 points a game. Hito Turkoglu, young Hito Turkoglu, who's 22. Hito Turkoglu, who eventually him and Dwight Howard drag a like a very sorry team to the NBA Finals over LeBron to eventually lose to the Lakers. Um, he's on the team. He's got you know 10.7 points, 5.6 rebounds. Doug Christie, who had the unfortunate job, a lot of it of guarding Kobe Bryant. He's putting up good numbers with uh, 9.7 points per game. You got Pages Stoyakovic, who's 24, who only plays in three games. Scott Pollard, who was mostly a defensive guy. Um, so that's why his numbers aren't big, but he was a really big defender for them. And then they have Gerald Wallace, who was 19 at the time. Gerald Wallace, who had a pretty long career. I'm not going to say it was a great career, but he had a long career. And then another name, Lawrence Funderbark. And that's I'm just gonna leave you with that. Like I don't know who this guy is. And once again, I, you know, fa- you know, fashion myself as an NBA aficionado, and I have no idea who these names are. Well, that name is. So this is the team. The Kings were definitely a more well balanced team. They have five dudes who average. You know, and if we want to be generous, we can round up Doug Christie to 10 because he's at 9.7. So about six guys who average double figures where the Los Angeles Lakers are a two-headed monster in Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe Bryant. But that monster is pretty damn good. And this series uh, is a fascinating series looking into um, this is just one of those big series that made people wonder like, okay, does the NBA want certain markets making it to the NBA finals? which leads people to discuss whether this series was rigged or not. So to start this analysis and discover whether this was rigged or not, we need to head on to our first segment, which is, what do we know? So when what do we know, we talk about the concrete facts that we can 100% confirm. So first of all, the season, um, on the regular season in the Western Conference, the Kings ended up as the number one seed. They were 61 and 21. Uh, The Lakers were 58 and 24. They actually tied with the Spurs for the second best record in the West, but the Kings, uh, not the Kings, the Spurs held the tiebreaker with them. So by that, the Spurs became the two seed and the Lakers became the three seed. Um, Both the Kings and the Lakers kind of stomped their way through to the conference finals. Uh, the Kings beat the jazz three, one. Uh, this is back when they used to have five game series, which I think they should bring back. Cause I think a seven game series in every series is just way too many games. And that's someone who loves the NBA like me. And I'm like, we're playing too many games in the playoffs. Um, and then they beat the Mavs four one. The Kings did to get to the conference finals. The Lakers beat the Portland trailblazers three, nothing swept them. And then they beat the Spurs four one to get to the conference finals. So both of them were rolling ready to go. Um, and in each game, there's pretty much a pattern. Uh, the Kings are going to get, you know, between four or six guys in double figures, usually led by the most points by Weber and Bibby. And then, you know, the other guys are going to either get a little bit above average or about average points, but double figures. Uh, where on the other side, you have Shaq and Kobe getting theirs, 
but the thing that pushes them over the edge in the games they win are if they can get a third guy who can get just a few more points than usual. Uh, you know, because Shaq and Kobe got theirs. Shaq especially. Shaq was getting the line. Shaq was like, no one really could, could stop. This is prime Shaq. So he's getting his. Kobe's doing pretty well. He has he has a couple nights where he does shoot pretty poorly. But, you know, for the most part, they're both doing really well. The question is, okay, can they get a third guy to step up so they can do pretty, so they could win? So this is how the series goes. Uh, game one, the Lakers win 106 to 99. Next game, the Kings win 96 to 90. And then they win the next game 103 to 90. They're about to go up 3-1 until we have Robert Ory step in. Literally a ball come right to him. He shoots, you know, he makes the shot. Instead of being a 3-1 lead for Sacramento, it's a one-point win for uh, the Lakers, and it's tied 2-2 after four games. I will say that would break a lot of teams' spirit spirits, but the Kings come back, um, and they win game five by one point. So we have back-to-back one-point games, and most of these games are close. The only game that has a big difference is game three, which is a 13-point win for the Kings. So we go into game uh, we go into game six, and this is where most of the controversy comes in. And a lot of talk is about the disparity in fouls. So let's talk about what we for sure know with fouls. So in the series, um, the foul calls are pretty even if you look at it overall. Um, the Lakers had 179 fouls. The Kings had 173. When it came to free throws in the total series, uh, the Lakers had 185 free throws. The Kings had 204. But when we go to game six, that's where we have the problems. So first of all, um, and we'll talk some more about this in Speculation Station, there are just a ton of ticky-tack fouls in this um, in this game, and they're mostly called against the Kings. There's at one point, there's a, there's a graphic shown of like foul trouble. And it's just like all Kings players. Like Vlade Divac is in. Uh, he's in foul trouble. Scott Pollard fouled out like very quick. Like I believe it's either right at the end of the third quarter or right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. He's out of the game already. Chris Webber has. He's in foul trouble most of the game. And in this game in particular, uh, just the free throw disparity is huge. So in game six. The Lakers shoot 40 free throws, while the Kings only shoot 25. And what you say is, you know, hey, sometimes, you know, one team goes the line more than the other. It happens. Here's the part that's concerning. Going into the fourth quarter, the game's tied 75 to 75. We got an even game. You know, best man wins. The Lakers, out of those 40 free throws, they shoot 27 of them in the fourth quarter. Shaq in particular shoots 10. Shaq outshoots the entire Sacramento Kings team in the fourth quarter in free throws. And don't get me wrong, there's hack a Shaq, all those things. He goes to the line, but Chris Weber doesn't have any free throws in the fourth quarter. Mike Bibby only has two. And these aren't, you know, players who are living and dying outside, you know you know, outside on the corner shooting threes. These are guys in the paint, you know, baby's going to the hole and they're not getting anything. They're not getting any calls. And, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty suspect. Some of the calls being made. So eventually the game ends in, you know, a lot of controversy. You can go watch like the post game 
There's a lot of people asking questions because eventually the Lakers do win 102 to 106, including a very suspicious call that is made at the very end of the game. Um, so it's 100 to 103. Uh, Hito Turkoglu scores real quick to make it 102 to 103. And the Lakers are trying to Im- inbound the ball. There is a ref looking directly at this inbound play. And Colby Bryant hits Mike Bibby with an elbow to the head. And I'm not, it's not like a super, if I'm looking back, it's not like a flagrant, like elbow to the head. Like it's not like uh, Ron Artest, or I think he was meta world peace at the time. Like when he just cocked back and knocked the crap out of, uh, out of James Harden. Like when Harden was back in the thunder, it's not that bad. But it's bad enough that it should have gotten a foul call and it should have gotten the Kings the ball with a chance to win it when it was 102 to 103. But the ref sits there, doesn't blow a whistle. They inbound it. Doug Christie asked the foul. Free throws happen. Game's over. And so all of a sudden, we are going back, tied three to three, goes to game seven. Lakers win. So what looked like was going to maybe be a Kings victory and a series victory in game six. All of a sudden you force a game seven and the Kings lose the season's over. The Lakers move on to then play the nets and they beat the living crap out of the nets and win the, and win another NBA title. And a lot of people are just very suspicious of not only the type of fouls that are being called and the amount of free throws the Lakers shot in game six, specifically in the fourth quarter. When you look at some of those numbers, you can't really blame them. To dive more into this, we need to go to Speculation Station. So in Speculation Station, we deal with the unfiltered you know, conspiracy theory, and then we trim it down after that. Um, but when it comes to this conspiracy theory, there's a couple main points that definitely had that people scrutinize. The first one is allegations from within the refereeing community, calling it one of the worst refereed games of all time. And even to one ref, one former referee coming out and saying, hey, um, one of the referees brought in was brought in specifically to rig the game to make sure there was a game seven. Because once again, the Kings are up three, two. The referee in question is Dick Bavetta, who claimed he was uh, a fixer for the NBA, and so did um, another another referee. According to this other referee, who I will tell you his name in a moment, this is exactly what he said. Uh, Longtime NBA official Dick Bavetta was a fixer of sorts for the league, Uh, and in the controversial Game 6, he may have helped change the outcome of the game and eventually the series. He also said this, he claimed several times to several of us that he was the NBA's go-to guy. He was put on game sixes to force game sevens. I think there's no doubt in my mind or a lot of people from the inside of the NBA. They knew they know that they gave the Lakers the benefit of several calls in that game, thinking it was going to go to game seven and Sacramento was going to win on their home floor. The Lakers win. They win the championship. And really, it's unfortunate for Sacramento because they really should definitely have a ring on their finger. And that's a pretty damning, you know, quote from a former NBA referee. The problem with it is who that quotes, who those quotes came from. 
and that's Tim Donaghy. Tim Donaghy, for any of you guys who don't know, he's going to get his own episode later. He basically was caught gambling on NBA games that he was refing. And he made these allegations uh, later on. And, you know, and this is like when he's making a plea deal and like he's going before Congress and all this stuff. Um, so it's kind of one of those things of like where are you getting your, your source from? So why I think it is, you know, a lot of smoke about Dick Bavetta and Dick Bavetta, you know, I've seen him referee and I'm, you know, very biased at times. And sometimes, you know, I think he's making great calls. Other times I can't stand the guy. So me judging a referee based on just Tim Degott, Tim Donaghy, especially at the time when he was giving out this information, isn't necessarily uh, the best resource. Uh, because Tim Donaghy, if you don't know, like I said, he had this like ring of multiple people, but the main three guys were him, Rhino Regeary, and then Jack Concanon. And they were bet they were originally they were betting like one to three games a year that Tim Donaghy was refing. And then it eventually became like 30 to 40 to 50 games a year. And they're getting to the point of like they're so cocky and confident in Tim uh, in like how he's swaying things. They're betting up to 30 to 50 to $100,000 per game spread out so that people wouldn't notice, but enough to make money. And uh, Donaghy didn't claim to be able to shave points or anything. His big thing is that he said that like he was able to use his information to cover the spread and that his games 60 to 70% of them were covering the spread. And so some people are saying, Hey, if he's trying to make money, maybe you make a call here, make you a call there, get an extra free throw. One team doesn't get a free throw. Boom. You hit the spread. You're inside. You outside the number. So, you know, Tim Donaghy's got his own problems, but it's kind of one of, you know, he brings up a good point when there's literally a referee that's brought in. And the big thing is, you know, he's brought in to call that game. And, they, and he claims that's what he said to people uh, behind closed doors. And then there ends up being a game seven. But you do have to question the fact of when this information came out long after the 2002 NBA final, uh, well, Western Conference finals happened. And also the fact that it's coming from Tim Donaghy. It's kind of like when someone is a part of a crime thing and they like, you know, they're part of a crime and then they make a plate they make a plea deal like, you know, they might be telling the truth, but it's also hard sometimes to believe them because of the fact of like, you're just sitting there like, but weren't you a part of this? Like, if you're willing to turn on them, how do I know you're not just lying to me so you can get out of what trouble you're getting to? So that's something to keep in mind with that information about Tim Donaghy. That's a really big one for me. Um, I think another big thing is just, once again, just the disparity in free throws. The Lakers shot 27. The Kings shot 9. That's an absurd difference in free throws. That for anyone, rightfully so, in a tie game, you know, at... 75 to 75 that is clearly going one more one way than the other at that pace if this is how the whole game would have been refereed then the lakers would have shot doing quick math here live on uh that's 108 free throws in a full game if the full game was refereed that way and that would have been 36 for the kings usually you think about the end of a game and you think like kind of the refs like swallowing their whistles, letting the guys play. And this isn't what was happening. 
And I think one of the biggest moments of controversy when it comes to that is just that play. Um, 102-103. The Lakers got an inbound. And once again, Kobe Bryant nails Mike Bibby. Go back and watch the replay. He nails him in the head with an elbow. They don't call it. Kind of makes you a little suspicious. Why are they not calling? Because there's a referee right there looking. It is not like in the corner where a referee's out of position. That referee, there's literally a view where you can see the inbounder, you see Kobe, you see him hitting Mike Bibby, and you can literally see the referee looking in that direction. So that's kind of hard to explain away. All those foul shots for one team, a lot of missed calls against the Kings. You could say, you know, sometimes a ref has a bad game. Seems like all of them were having a bad game on the same day. The other big thing is that people believe it. What this whole entire thing was done, not only first to force the game seven, make more money, make more money in ratings, but because they were worried about the ratings for the NBA Finals. On the other side of the bracket, the team that had made it to the uh, the NBA Finals was the New Jersey Nets. The New Jersey Nets are not the biggest market. To give you an idea, I was going through a list. And it goes up to like 300 markets. I, unless I And I read it multiple times to double check. There is no market on there of the New Jersey area. So I think if you're including the metropolitan area of New York, they might be kind of included, but they're not New York, you know? So I can't really put them in there. LA is the number two market. Sacramento is the number 20. I can't find New Jersey on there. I'm sure there's like some New York people who like the New Jersey Nets, but like the New Jersey area is not in the top 100 markets. So the NBA is sitting there with two really good teams, but the number two market, a big name in the Lakers going like, hmm, maybe nice if these guys made it to the NBA finals so we can make more money. Because no matter what, you know, we'd, we'd love to say, oh, like the NBA, the MLB, FIFA, all that stuff. We'd love to say like, oh, it's about the peer of sport. Not really. For especially the people running it, it's all about making money. So there's some people who believed, hey, it was rigged to make sure it got to a game seven so that hopefully the Lakers would win and that then we get a more appeasing NBA Finals. You know, because it's kind of like when you get to, you know, with the NFL, like with the with the Super Bowl, you get to the World Series, all those all those leagues, no matter what they say. They want a big name in there. You know, even though some people would get sick of it, you know, MLB would love it if the Cubs or the Dodgers or, you know, the Yankees made the World Series. Like one of those three made the World Series every year. The NFL would love it if like the Steelers or the Cowboys or the Bears or the Packers made the Super Bowl every year. They'd all love it. The NBA is the same way. They'd love it if the Knicks or the Bulls or the Lakers you know, or the Celtics are in the Super or in the NBA Finals each year because those are big names. That's going to get casual people to watch. Uh, as much as I loved watching the Sacramento Kings, the Kings versus the Nets, even though that would have been a sweet matchup to watch, you know, Jason Kidd against Mike Bibby, Vince Carter's in there. Uh, I'm pretty sure Kenyon Martin still is on the Nets at the time still. Chris Webber, that would have been a fun matchup to watch. But I don't know how many casual fans they're bringing in with that series. Even though I think it should, Shaq and Kobe brings in more than the other ones. So that's where some people believe, hey, referees are brought in. 
if you need to if you need to make some things happen to make sure that this goes to game seven, go to a game seven. And then game seven's called pretty fair down the line. It just happens that, you know, the Kings have a pretty bad night. They miss 13 free throws, among other things, and they lose. Lakers move on when the NBA finals. So those are kind of like the big parts of this, you know. Was Dick Bavetta brought in specifically to make sure this went to a game seven? You know, once again, the foul shot disparity in the fourth quarter is 27 to nine. Shaq out shoots the entire Kings team. It's crazy. And then there's also just the market disparity. LA is the number two market. Sacramento's the 20th market. New Jersey isn't in the top 100. NBA wants ratings. So put this all together. Maybe the NBA comes together, rigs this game six to get to a game seven, hoping that the Lakers win. But before we can, before I can make my call on the field, we got to trim the fat on this conspiracy in our next segment, which is, I'm not so sure about that. So, and I'm not so sure about that. Basically, what I do is I trim the fat off of some of these conspiracy theories and some of the points that we've brought up. Um, I don't really have a ton to break off on this one, mostly because of the fact is I've been trying to do that already, like in these episodes. And let me know if you like it at whatever Wando or on Twitter at whatever underscore Wando on Instagram. It's, you know, sometimes with some of these conspiracies, they're super like out of the box, out of the universe, like answers that people have to these. They had zero percent chance of being right. I could bring them up. If they were like, maybe they were funny, but sometimes they're not. And I'm just like, I know I'm going to get rid of them. So why bother bringing them up? But if you want me to bring up like, because I can dig for some of these, some of these upcoming episodes I have, some of them are hilarious where it's like very clearly this isn't right, but it's funny. So let me know if you prefer that or you prefer it to be a little bit more concise. Because like, again, we're still early on in this podcast, so we're still finding our groove. Um. But here's the big part for me. I think the Dick Bavetta, you know, a lot of people complaining about him is rightfully earned. It through past playoff experiences and specifically how he did in game six. Him and that entire referee crew had a terrible game. But we need to throw out Tim Do- what Tim Donaghy said. There are plenty of other people who complained about it, which... You know, so I think it's still a conversation to be had about, uh, you know, Dick Bavetta and that crew. So we're not throwing away people complaining about that because that is a very, you know, justly made complaint. I think Tim Donaghy's specific stuff, though, we need to throw away because Tim Donaghy is not a reliable source. Um, And I think it's just some of those. It's just perception is reality. He is a disgraced. NBA referee who got kicked out of his job. He had to, you know, pay his debt to society. Uh, whether you think his time that he had to serve was enough, it's kind of up to you. And now whenever we hear him, he's talking about these controversial things, but it's kind of like when he's in trouble, kind of reminds me of like when a kid's in like the principal's office and he's about to get in trouble, but he's like, just so you know, like my three buddies were doing this too. Like he's getting in trouble. He's dragging people down with him. Uh, the other thing is like the only time I hear him also is he's doing interviews. He's, you know, talking about a book he's writing or talking about, you know, a movie they might be making about him, something like that. He's promoting himself. 
So I feel like because of how far, like when he brought up these things, how far removed it was from those actual Western Conference finals, I just feel like we need to throw away kind of like in court of law or throwing away his testimony because I just don't feel like he's the he's just a really good resource to use in this conspiracy theory but I definitely still think the talk about Dick Bavetta is fair play um but with that said I'm ready to make my decision and make my call on the field so let's go right now to the very last segment the call on the field so with the call on field i have two choices i either can confirm and for say then say like for sure this definitely happened or i can overturn and say i don't think this happened this one's kind of like a two-parter do i think the nba rigged the entire series to make sure the lakers made it to the nba finals i'm overturning that i don't think that happened but do i think the nba rigged game six to make sure there was a game seven i will confirm that so there's just first of all there's not enough and like how all, all the all the other games were you know refereed and stuff like that um to make me think the entire series was rigged because once again besides the one game that has a 13 point difference Everything else is like we have two single point games. We have a bunch of single digit different, you know, games. If the NBA really wants the Lakers in it, just make it a sweep. Call like six extra fouls, get a bunch of free throws for the Lakers. You could easily make that happen. They didn't make that happen. There is a point to be made about like not being obvious about something. But if you really want it, you know, don't put things to risk. Don't have to count on. The referees bailing you out in game six and then hoping that the Lakers play better in game seven. So I don't think the I don't think the NBA came together to make sure they got to the NBA finals. But I sure as hell think they came together to make sure there was a game seven. I think, you know, 27 to 9 difference in free throws in the fourth fucking quarter is nuts. Shaq outshot the entire Kings team in the fourth quarter. And yes, this is hack-a-shack, all that crap's happening. But once again, this is not the NBA that we know now where everyone's shooting threes. These are people going to the hole, going to the paint. Mike Bibby's going to the paint a lot. You know, Chris Webber lives in the post, and Chris Webber can't buy a free throw. Mike Bibby gets two in the fourth. That shit's suspicious to me. And a lot of people pointed that out. I think, and it's a lot of just not even like people from not only Sacramento and LA, like outside reporters, people who just watch the game. I was 13 years old and I felt like something was up. I wasn't like handling it nicely. I was like screaming. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, that's a foul. Cause you know, even though the Kings weren't my favorite team, they were the team who I was like, the Bulls suck right now. I'll cheer for you guys while I'm waiting for the Bulls to know get their crap together or like until next season obviously because the bulls weren't in the playoffs uh but yeah i was watching as a kid i'm like this doesn't seem right and then i watched it again recently and i was just like there's so many ticky tack files and they're all called in one direction and i think the biggest one still to me is literally the kings fight back you know through a lot of terrible calls it's 102 103 
they're trying to steal the inbounds. Kobe Bryant nails Mike Bibby with an elbow right in front of a ref, and the ref does nothing. At that point, I'm like, okay, something's going on. The fix is in. So that's just how it is for me. And I feel like I've confirmed a lot of these in a row. Uh, I promise you, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist. I don't sit around like with a tin, you know, the tinfoil hat on. I think my, maybe I'm just picking ones that I believe in too much. Uh, so once again, I am confirming that I believe the NBA rigged it to make sure there was a game seven, but I am overturning the possibility that they were trying to specifically that they rigged the whole thing to make sure the Lakers got to the NBA finals. I think they were thinking very short-sightedly and they were like, Hey, let's make money off of, let's get one more game out of the series because the NBA final matchup we're going to get, if it's the Kings, like I think they probably thought Kings nets probably wouldn't have had that good of ratings, even though both had very good teams. Those teams do not have the, I think they, in my opinion, they had the name recognition on those teams, but I think for the casual fan, probably not. And so the ratings would have suffered. So, you know, I think that the NBA just thought, hey, let's make a game seven. We get ticket sales. We get commercial sales, ratings, all that good stuff. Maybe we can draw on some more viewers for this NBA Finals matchup we're going to get. But I don't think they were trying to make the Lakers. Or at least I don't think they did that. I don't think they rigged it specifically to make sure the Lakers got to the NBA Finals. Because once again... You could have, could have made it a lot more easier on yourself than having the risk of a game seven. Uh, so once again, thank you everybody for listening. Next week's episode is going to be different. We're actually doing a grab bag episode. I have two kind of little mini uh, conspiracy theories. They're both like two fun ones I've always wanted to do, but they don't deserve full episodes. And then for the first time ever, uh, my fiance is going to come on in a segment um, where she is basically going to try and guess the nicknames of famous sports athletes. So that's next week. We're going to do a grab bag episode. So join us next Wednesday on the grab bag episode of Whatever Wando. We'll see you next week.